Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. I have wood for sheep. I have wood for sheep. I've only got brick. Fuck. Coming to you almost live from the end of the longest road on the Settlers of Catan game, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your point-scoring hosts. And sheepless, I might add. Very, very sheepless. Sheepish, even. Not really. Not at all. That doesn't, not sheepish at all. That doesn't work. Uh, later on in the show, we are interviewing Katrin Burkhoff, one of the organizers of GobFest, a board game tournament taking place in Edmonton. Not, not a tournament. It is a fest. It, it is, is a fest. Almost kind of a convention. With a series of tournaments or not. Also happening. Yeah. But there is also other gaming. It's true. Anyway, that's happening at the end of March. We'll hear from Katrina a little bit later on in the show. But right now, you have at least half an hour with Scott and I. Yeah. It's your favorite half hour of the two-week period that happens. Uh, in which our show occurs. And, and we mean what we mean by that is, like, if you had to pick a half hour, we know... This is the one you'd pick. Yeah. Because reasons. There's, like, in maybe not number one, certainly top three half hours. Absolutely. Is your time with us. Yeah. And, and you know, it's getting harder, too, because we can't compete with Netflix. No. We, we don't have that kind of advertising budget. Nope. Or content, frankly. No. <laughs> I mean... If we had Breaking Bad, you'd probably spend more time with us. Yeah. But we don't. We don't. We, we break bad sometimes. But we don't have Breaking Bad. Now, you may recall in our last episode, there was a buzzing sound. You'll note there is no buzzing sound this time. It's because we've got a new piece of beautiful technology. That's right. We have done this show so long. For so many years. And we've done it so well that we wore out our initial soundboard. Yep. It was like our old soundboard was like the village bicycle. Everyone recorded on it. No, that didn't work at all. <laughs> you lost that metaphor. Yeah. That one went off the rails. And you know but what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you, just having the, the headphones on, and, and it sounds better. It does. Like, it's amazing. It is an excellent piece of technology. And, and there's some really cool shit you can do with it. Like, uh, Scott and I could add um, some really interesting reverb. 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 Yeah. 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 Without, without actually, without actually having to worry about doing it in post-production. But we won't abuse no, that too that, much that, no. because it's ridiculous, even though it's hilarious. And would make the show virtually <laughs> unlistenable. More unlistenable than it all it would, is. It would be like when we used to have that awful ambient sound in the background. Uh, we, we still do a little bit, just not for the whole show anymore. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting idea that we quickly realized nearly killed one of my friends. That's right. So, it was, that was Jago that nearly yeah, drove off My the friend road. Kyle Jago listening to one of our early episodes on a drive to Moose Jaw. <laughs> Nearly fell asleep because the ambient sound in the background was so soothing, which in itself actually speaks to how good it was. It was a compliment f- for me. But it also nearly was obviously Jago. Yeah, a hazard, a health hazard. So in the interest of traffic safety, we stopped doing that, as That's you well right. know. Anyway. Now you um, just have to listen to our soothing voices. Mm. 
So soothing. <laughs> you got to hear me angrily want Speaking wood for sheep. of road trips. Yes. Both of us just returned from road trips to record this episode. We, we virtually got into town and came straight to the studio. Practically. Yeah. Uh, you were off to Canmore. Yes, I spoke for at... For uh, a Banff... Nerd related night. nerd night. Yeah, it was weird. So uh, it's the third nerd night they've done in the Bow Valley. It's called Nerd Night Banff. And this time around, the organizers, Lisa and Amanda, decided they wanted to do it in Canmore because um, I actually don't know why. <laughs> but it, they had a larger space than the space they use in in Banff. And uh, we, I presented, me and two other fellas, to a sold-out room of about 75 people. All of them drinking and all of them listening attentively. And presumably having a good time. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And you, you spent some of your weekend down in Dinosaur Provincial Park. That's right, Drumheller. Uh, Nita has family living in Drumheller. And uh, one of them was having a milestone birthday. A milestone birthday important enough that much of the family decided to make the trip out to Drumheller. Now, what, uh, what milestone birthday would this be? It would be an 80th birthday. That's a big one. That's a pretty big one. Uh, Anita's aunt, interestingly, turned hmm. 80. Her, Holy. Oh, her eldest aunt, her mother is one of the youngest in a sizable family. Wow. So, hence the, uh, the slight age disparity there. But, uh, yeah, that was considered important enough that much of the family made the trek out. While we were there, we, of course, took in some dinosaurs, as, As one you does, do yeah. when one is in Drumheller. You ch- you went to the Terrell Museum. That is correct. Is it still royal? It is indeed still a royal museum. Awesome. Uh, the royal classification uh, is given to museums that have, uh, I want to say, international appeal. Yeah. Maybe appeal is not the right word I'm looking for. But there. you do have to like probably fill out some paperwork to get that Well, not just that. You, you do have to be a, a rather remarkable museum. Yeah. To you, get the Royal Appalachian. So what you're saying is that, like, the Creation Museum in Kentucky... Probably, well, it wouldn't get the Royal Appalachian because, of course, they're not in Canada or Britain. But if they were... Or Australia. They, it's, it's, they would It's a designation that comes from the Governor General. Right. It's on behalf of the royalty, uh, hence royal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really kind of have to be part of the Commonwealth. The United States is not affiliated with Britain anymore. They're they're lost, man. They're lost. So, yes, that Creation Museum will never be a royal... Well, they could be, but it wouldn't be with... They'd just be calling themselves a royal. But maybe the the, uh, Gopher Museum in Trochu... That could could become a royal museum. museum. I I believe Her Highness is fond of gophers. I have no reason to believe that not to be true. (laughs) Except that you do, because I said it. (laughs) Now, I want to talk a little bit about crowdfunding, because we're still on the Patreon bandwagon. We are. We're, um, we're not the most successful of Patreon bandwagoners. We've been really slacking. Uh, that is, let's be fair. It's kind of our fault. It's, we haven't been trumpeting our Patreon campaign much outside of mentioning it every episode. It's true. Um, and part of that, I think, is because we're terrible at promoting ourselves. We, we like Edmonton. Yeah. Are terrible at, we are a microcosm for the city. That's true. We're, We're both at- dashingly handsome, involved in the community, and afraid to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> but we are still doing our Patreon campaign, so if you do enjoy the podcast, consider contributing a paltry sum every month. Yeah. As little as a dollar. It's as little as the cost of a cup of coffee. Yeah. You could make a starving Adam. And Scott. And Scott. 
uh, be able to do the show with greater ease and do more with it. Yeah. Which is part of the thing. I mean, we'll, we'll continue to do this show. We will. And clearly you enjoy it because you're listening to it. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed because I'm listening to us. Exactly. And we are really enjoyable. We are. But uh, if you would like for us to do more and better stuff, pitch us a few bucks. Give us give us a little bit per of month. Dough. A yeah. voluntary subscription. Yeah. So that you and others, really, it's community service, can enjoy more of us doing a better, bigger, better show. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, at the very least, we would like to hit the uh, our first milestone, which would cover off all of our costs for the year. Yeah. We would be able to do the show uh, with impunity without having to worry about any of our overhead. Yeah, that would just be taken care of. For $200 a month. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's not to say that you need to give us $200. No, no, no. You no. can. We'd give, be happy about that. Give us some small portion of that amount, and yeah. it'll all be good. And it saves us having to go and knock on doors and try to find sponsors, right. which we were doing before, and it's just nobody wants to do that. The it, sponsors don't want us doing that. <laughs> we don't want to do that. You don't want us doing that. You know, if this and were- And it keeps the show commercial free. Exactly. If this were a full-time job, we could go out and get sponsors, but it takes a tremendous amount of effort and time. More effort and time than we're willing to commit because we're barely willing to commit to the effort and time for our crowdfunding. Which is ridiculous, and we're going to stop doing nothing about that. Yeah, we, we will step up our campaign a little bit. You'll, you'll hear more from us on Facebook and Twitter yeah. talking about it. Uh, obviously, we're going to keep mentioning it on the show. Yeah. At some point. Never at the same time in the show, so that you can never know to skip like the, the first five minutes to avoid it. No. Nope. It'll just happen naturally in the conversation. One day we'll talk about it with our guest. <laughs> that would be amazing, actually. That's just going to happen. Excuse me, guest, have you contributed to our Patreon campaign yet? That is the cost of being on the show. There you go. Maybe that's the way to do it. <laughs> Wait, no, no it's not at that's all. That's a terrible that's, plan. That's the opposite that of That is way. a terrible plan. Now, there are other people in Edmonton who are using crowdfunding mechanisms to do things, and I wanted to talk about two examples today. The first is um, a young woman named Lindsay McNeil, who's been on the show before. Friend of the show. She, uh, she talked to us uh, a little while ago about a movie she's trying to have made called Jillian's Just Right. It's a horror film yep. set in wintry Alberta. And uh, Lindsay has the opportunity to go to the Cannes Film Festival. Which is kind of a big deal. Massively big deal. Uh, that is kind of the film festival. Yeah. So she's she's trying to raise five grand. So it's not, not a ton of money. But and enough. Not unreasonable. Yeah, yeah. Enough to get her there and for her to, to be comfortable there. And she's already at 3,870 at the time of this recording. At the time of this recording. So by the time you're listening to this a little later in the week, a little earlier in the week for our, our subscribers. That's right. Uh, she might have reached her, uh, her goal, but don't assume that she has. And even if she has, maybe pitch her a couple extra bucks anyway. For sure. Uh, so that she can go represent uh, her movie, which is in itself great, and also represent Alberta and Edmonton's film community exactly because she in a way would be going as an ambassador so it's uh an opportunity to really bolster uh our city and our province internationally as uh as a place where film is happening totally now i'm just going to read you really quickly uh from Lindsay's gofundme campaign because part of part of the reason she's going to con is uh because of an organization that she's now involved with so it says cre um sorry 
She's a, a screenwriter and filmmaker from Edmonton who's been invited to attend the Cannes Film Festival by the Creative Mind Group. Creative Minds is an organization that connects emerging filmmakers with industry professionals from around the world. Only 30 people worldwide are selected to participate in this program, and she says here that she's absolutely honored to be chosen. Now let's get Lindsay to France. Yeah. Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do that. So we'll have a link for that on the show notes on our website. The other one I wanted to talk to a little bit about is um, is a project called Chartier or Chartier. This one is on Kickstarter. That's right. So these are a couple of friends of mine, actually, and I help them with their Kickstarter video. But they're trying to open a rustic French-Canadian restaurant in the town of Beaumont, Alberta. And is there any place you can think of more deserving of a fancy French restaurant? No. No. I can't. No, I mean, Beaumont is one of the core French communities in, in Alberta. It is one of them. And uh, so they have a goal of $95,000, and in uh, three days, they've already raised 31395 at the so time of this recording. they're well on their way. They're doing well. Uh, again, don't assume that they have succeeded by the time you hear this episode. No. In fact, assume that they have not, because they're trying to raise a great deal of money. But uh, that's another uh, good project to throw some money at. Yeah, for sure. And the interesting thing about Kickstarter uh, that I think not a lot of people actually realize is that if the creators don't reach their goals, all the money gets refunded. That's right. So you're not uh, throwing away money necessarily. No. Now, I, I say necessarily because if they do reach their goal, your your money goes into the pot, essentially. That's right. you, you get charged and that goes towards their project. If they then fail to deliver on their project, that's them being jerks. That's and right. there are Kickstarter campaigns where that has happened, yeah. where people have been funded and uh, then basically failed to deliver on their project, either because uh, the scope of their project was greater than they anticipated and they were unable to pull it off, or because they were unscrupulous. Yeah. So a good thing to keep in mind is be careful of who you fund on Kickstarter. Definitely. Don't feel that you need to be careful funding us because we are obviously continuing to provide a product. Plus, prod, a product, but, we uh, are also operating as a legitimate business. And that is the, correct. The Unknown Studio is its own legal entity. That, that is correct. Uh, and uh, in the case of this Kickstarter project, we are giving it our thumbs up. Where it's 100% so, legit. That is correct. Now, this comes on the heels of one of the most, ever, most successful ever Kickstarter uh, campaigns that was launched a couple weeks ago by a company called Pebble. And Pebble makes the industry-leading smartwatch right now. That is until Apple actually hits the market. Now, before Pebble start, launched this second Kickstarter for what they're calling their Pebble Time Watch, it's a color smartwatch, uh, still made the with... The first watch to tell the time, might I add. That's right, yes. <laughs> and um, so, so this is their second Kickstarter, but this also comes on the heels of um, Matt... I think it's Matt Ingram, uh, the guy from the – he makes the cartoons. This is why we should do some research ahead of time. So there's a, there's a card game out there called Exploding Cats Yes, that was funded by the guy – a fellow who draws cartoons online basically. Yes. He wanted to create the Tesla Museum. He's this weird sort of idiot savant. He raised the uh, – I don't want – not the most amount of money but the – it might be the most amount of money in the quickest way or most quickly on Kickstarter, which Pebble completely unseated when in one day they raised $10 million. That's pretty impressive. It's, an, it's insane. Their goal, or Pebble's stated goal was $500,000, and they blew past that in 17 minutes. So 
people you know, were looking forward to funding that. Totally. And, you know... Crowdfunding is uh, kind of becoming the thing now. Yeah. Um, rather than uh, go and try to, I want to say, essentially pitch a product uh, to a company or, or try to uh, get the funding through investors yourself, you're just putting it out there and saying, hey, I want to make this... Who'd be interested in pitching in a couple bucks so I can? Yeah. And then you automatically, you have your client base right up, right off the get-go. And then uh, you're essentially making the project for those people who have become your patrons, essentially. That's right. Right off the get-go. And then uh, the additional product you make, you can then sell for a profit, presumably. Yep. And uh, hopefully have, have the ability to sustain yourself after that. But I think that that's a, a tremendous tool that I mean has always existed. I mm-hmm. mean, Florence in the uh, in the olden days, Renaissance uh, was basically wealthy families being patrons of the arts, and that's how artists were able to to live and create fabulous works. Leonardo da Vinci, for example, was uh, someone who was being patronized as an artist. Yeah, and that's it's interesting that the internet has given us the tools, the modern tools. To do that again, it's true, and and there's you know I mean there's Kickstarter, there's GoFundMe, there's Indiegogo, there's Patreon, Patreon. Um, there you know for they, there's a website called Kiva where you can donate a couple of dollars to someone in the third world so that they can start a farm or something like that, and you get your money back rather quickly. So it's like they it's that one's interesting because the the entrepreneurs there do actually pay you back uh, usually if it's successful. So. Um, I mean, this. You're right. This is a new, and there's certainly an art to doing it. Um, but which it's, we are not succeeding. At. No, because <laughs> uh, you know we've been deliberately obtuse about it for and some reason. Lazy. Yeah, but I mean, you know, consider um, former Edmontonian Leanne Brown, who's been on the show before as well. When she was a uh, Don Iveson's executive assistant, when he was a counselor, uh, she wrote a cookbook called Good and Cheap that's designed. Um, for Americans who use food stamps, uh, ways for them to make healthful meals that on the delicious, cheap. Yeah. That are inexpensive. Her goal uh, was $10,000 this past summer to, to raise money for a Kickstarter. And she got $144,681. Yep. Yep. And we're going to have Leanne on the show. At some point. At some point later this year, but because uh, she's quite busy with you know, the success of this thing. But we will, our intention is to have her on the show to talk about the book. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential here. Uh, certainly, we're trying to do something with it. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, in some ways, that's a little bit what the Make Something Edmonton website is kind of like. Sort of. You put your project up there and you get community support for it. Yeah. It's it's kind of like a small-scale local Kickstarter. Yeah. Except that not all the time is there money being exchanged. So, no. So it's just kind of interesting to see that that at least among our cohort, seems to be a trend right now. Yeah. wonder how long it'll last. wonder how long the crowdfunding bubble will last. I wonder if it is a bubble. It could be. It I don't be. know. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it's hard to say that it necessarily is because it is you're just asking people for handouts, essentially. And if people are interested in what you're offering and they have a couple bucks, why wouldn't they give it to you. And in the case of Kickstarter or Patreon, you do get stuff in return. Yeah. You you so it's 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 almost like a super low risk investment. Sort of. Yeah. And I mean there is some risk as yeah. we mentioned before, 
there are Kickstarter campaigns that have not delivered on their promises. And then those people are out whatever money that they put in. And that's kind of the gamble you take. So again, be careful what you crowdfund. For sure. Don't give money to everybody. Um, don't even give money to things that look awesome if there's some sketchiness involved. Do your research. Totally. But uh, I mean, I've, I've supported some stuff on Kickstarter to success. Have you, have you supported any duds? Um, I did support one thing. It was game-related. Unsurprisingly, I, mm. I generally support game stuff. Um, it was not great. Mm, that's like it was finished, okay, and uh, I received the uh, my copy of the product, but the the overall polish was rather poor. It, it was bad. something that required significant editing still. That uh, I was disappointed in the final product. I don't regret supporting them, yeah. because it was me supporting an independent game essentially, and, and I'm all for that. I just think that they, on their end, should have put more polish on it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I supported a another smartwatch company um, right around the time that Pebble did its first Kickstarter, and the product that I received was god-awful. And when I went on Reddit to see what people were saying about it, uh, I don't believe I saw a single positive review. So sometimes you get what you pay for. Sometimes you get more than what you pay for. And yeah. sometimes and there are way there less. are instances where uh, I have uh, supported something on Kickstarter and been blown away by the final product. Totally. So w- which was in some cases better even than they had pitched it. Which is awesome. Which sometimes just happens naturally because of stretch goals. That's right. Um, for those who've never done something on Kickstarter or indeed, and and indeed we have kind of stretch goals for our Patreon campaign too with additional milestones. But a stretch goal is basically I'm trying to raise $3,000 to do a print run on a book. If uh, I reach the $3,000, that's great. The book will be made. Everybody who pitched in at X level will get a copy of the book. If however, I read, I raise $4,000, it'll be a hardback book. If I raise $5,000, it'll be a full color book. If I raise $6,000, the quality of the paper will increase. Uh, If I reach $7,000, I'll hire uh, an illustrator to do uh, fine art in the book. Uh, And and if I raise $8,000, I'll do a second book in the series. Like, that's how the the stretch goals work. So the more money that they raise after their initial funding... Uh, the the quality of the product might increase. Yeah. Now, one of the weirdest Kickstarters that I think the internet has ever seen was... Was it the mashed potato salad The potato, potato salad, salad yeah. one? I was going to say mashed potatoes. It's potato salad. So um, I'm just... I'm looking for it right now. So this was a project where um, a fellow named Zach Danger Brown um, was bored and decided that he just wanted to make a potato, a potato salad. He hadn't decided what kind mm. yet. And he managed to raise... Uh, fifty five hundred four hundred. Sorry, fifty five thousand four hundred and ninety two dollars to make potato salad. To make potato salad, uh, six thousand nine hundred and eleven backers. Yep, that's ridiculous. Um, so yeah, he wound up uh, wound up making and a lot of potato salad. Uh, yeah, it was uh at at a certain point he would make more than one type of potato salad. I believe he would try out multiple recipes. Yeah. Um. The, Certain uh, backer levels, people, uh, what did people receive for backing? So for $1, you got um, a thank you posted on a website. For, say, $8, you got to choose a potato salad appropriate ingredient to add to the salad, receive a bite of the potato salad, a photo of uh, of Zach 
thanking, sorry, making the potato salad, a thank you posted on the website, and Zach would say your name out loud while he was making the potato salad. There you go. So, I mean, you know, this is just like, this is basically the ultimate in internet trolling. Kind of. Turned out to be massively successful. Yeah. Sometimes, it's weird, but that that almost enters the realm of performance art. Totally. And there are people who totally dig that. And, and, it, and it's not even that they're necessarily calling his bluff and saying, all right, you're going to make this potato salad, and I'm going to tell you to put artichokes in it, and you're going to say my name out loud and send me a bite of it. No. Uh, there are some people who are legitimately like, no, I want to see this happen, L- like, unironically, it's, and I'm going to put some money towards it. It's just a weird, crazy thing. I think it's so cool. Um, speaking of people whose names we need to say out loud. Oh, yeah. Do we have anybody currently on uh, Patreon who are at the threshold where we need to say their name every episode? We have thanked all of our current patrons. It's true. Uh, in the past, a, a couple times. But uh, there is actually a threshold wherein we are supposed to thank them every episode. Yes. I don't think anybody has signed up on that level yet. Uh, that is at... But you could be the first. That's right. And we'll get that all sorted out for the next episode. But we're going to thank all of our patrons. Thank you, all of our patrons. Yes. And ask for more patrons. Yeah. If you're already a patron, tell a friend to also patronize us. Yeah. If you're not already a patron, what the hell? And hey, if you've got ideas for what would make you a patron, i.e. what you'd like to see on the show, we're all ears. Yeah. Maybe we could offer patrons an opportunity to suggest show topics to us. Absolutely. Things for us to talk about in our preamble before our guest comes on. Maybe if you're a patron, you're more likely to be a guest. Ooh. Just putting that out there. Ooh, I like that idea. So yeah, if you have any thoughts, email the show at theunknownstudio.ca and we will read your email because that's what you do with email. That's right. When we come back, we will be speaking with Katrin Berghoff, one of the organizers of GobFest. Stay tuned. So joining us in the studio is Katrin Berghoff, one of the organizers of GobFest. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. What is... A gob. A gob is a game on board. Ooh, okay. Not not as in <laughs> a game on board your plane, right? But rather games that are played on board. Yes. Yeah, so th- there's a big bit of a short backstory here, where uh, we founded a gaming club at the University of Alberta, and we didn't really want it to have a boring name. And so one of our uh, co-founders, Jake, um, said. Why don't we call it POGOB, the Players of Games on Boards? Because that's the most contrived acronym you could think of. <laughs> and so we have been called POGOB since 2006. And then the logical extension of POGOB is GOBFest, the Games on Boards Fest. That makes sense. Uh, this comes from an era where at the U of A we were fond of hilarious acronyms. Yes, yeah, that was what we did. You'd create an acronym and then apply words to it to make it work. Yes. And in this case, it worked sensationally. Yes. Uh, it worked at least... Uh, six plus years worth of sensationally. So, so is, first of all, does does Pogob still exist at the yes, UA? Yes, yes, it does. It does. Um, we are on Meetup.com right now, and ever since we went on there, we well, we have three hundred plus members signed up, and I would say on a on an average Sunday at two p.m., we have about 
15 to 30 people there, depending wow. on how the weather is and what else is going on in e- the city. Every week? Yeah. Holy shit. That is that is a successful club, if yeah. I dare say. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think when we founded uh, Pogob, our important, um, our important criteria was to have the same place, same time, and no RSVPs required because people don't like to RSVP. And so if you don't make them, they're actually more likely to come out, I find. I, you know, I think that's a fact <laughs> of life when it comes to Edmonton, actually. Really? People just don't RSVP. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Or, and, or it's a last-minute town, you know? And once they've RSV, once they haven't RSVP'd for something that requires an RSVP, even if they feel like coming, they don't feel like they can. Because they didn't RSVP. Because they didn't RSVP. So we decided just don't tell us. Just show up if you feel... If you crawl out of bed on Sunday in the morning and you feel like playing a game, just drop by. That's awesome. Now, uh, when you say games on boards, uh, you are not merely referring to Monopoly or Clue or Battleship or one of the games that uh, I would assume that most of our listeners are more familiar with. The old standards, as they say. Indeed. Your Milton Bradleys. Yeah. Your Milton's Bradley. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. That was the correct use. There of you go. Yes, yes. Um, no, we, we play mostly what's called strategic Euro games. Um, the most well-known right now is probably Settlers of Catan. It's a gateway game that a lot of people play. Um, uh, yeah, gateway game. That's, I like that. That's it's good. like the gateway drug of board games, of yeah. Euro yes. board games. Uh, Settlers of Catan is a big one. Um, Ticket to Ride is also really popular recently, a uh, train game. Which is actually really easy to learn. Like Ticket to Ride, is the gameplay is super simple. Yes. So I played it for the first time over Christmas, and I figured it out. Yeah, I lost dramatically. It's, it's a fun game. It's, uh, it's a family game, so you can play it with probably kids as young as, as six years old, and even older people can uh, enjoy it, because there is a bit of strategy to it as well. Yeah. So, is it, um, so then is GobFest, Games on Board Fest, Games on Boards Fest... Just Gobfest. Yes. <laughs> um, is it all? It, does it have to be board games, or can it be? Can you play card games as well, or anything like that? We do have card games, um, board games, and card games. What we don't do is, uh, for now, is um, war games, uh, miniature games, right. collectible card games. So things like magic Pokemon or Magic like um, should just be a box, a game, and that's it. Okay, and, and so Gobfest is on how many years now? This is our third year. That's exciting. Yes. That's very exciting. And um, looking at your website, it looks, like, it looks like people have been responding to registrations. You're, you're, we're out of the early bird period. Yes. And, and you've, got a, you've got, this is taking place at Alberta Avenue. How many people are you expecting? Last year we had 150 so Holy shit. This year we're hoping 200. Wow. I'm just going to, I put the number out there. Steve always says, who's one of the other organizers, don't say 200. <laughs> no, 200. That's my goal. Is this, we're going to do it. This is Steve Smith, right? Steve Smith. Our old friend, Steve Smith. Former Steve's, Gateway business manager. Sometimes you have to lay your cards on the table or the board game on the table, as it were. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. So you're, you're gunning for 200. 200. Has it always taken place at the Alberta Ave Community Hall? Uh, no, for the last two years, but the first year we were at the Parkview Community Hall, uh, but it was too small even after the first year, so we had to move. And this year we actually rent two halls at the location. Wow. Because um, we're doing some cool new stuff where we play something called life-size gaming. Okay, so explain this to us. This sounds amazing. Uh, well, there is a, car, a card game called Dutch Blitz. 
which is multiplayer solitaire is probably the best way to explain it. So you play your cards, it's a speed game, you play your cards um, down in the order prescribed and you're trying to compete with other players to be faster. And uh, you can play this as a regular card game on a table or you can make 20 by 30 foam cards and run around in a hall doing this. And so that's what we're attempting to do this year. Um, hopefully our insurance will hold. <laughs> no one will be badly injured yes. with the ensuing fracas. It's why they're made out of foam, right? Yes. They, they have to be. Otherwise, someone will hit another person with a plywood card. <laughs> plywood, that would be amazing. And incredibly heavy. Helmets, safety gear. Um, so three years, you must have a core group of people who come out on the weekends to uh, to play games on Sundays who are going to be uh, participants in GobFest as well this year. Well, honestly, it's probably the people who are organizing it haven't been to Pogob in a while. Oh, really? we've been really busy organizing this. Yeah. So, yeah. When we go there, people sometimes say, oh, you're here. It's nice of you to show. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Now, uh, what goes into uh, the organizational aspect of it? Like, do you have uh, set games playing at set times, and that's kind of uh, on, a, on a strict schedule, or is it just like everybody show up and bring your board games and let's play whatever? So there's a couple of members of Pogob who have fairly big personal collections. So um, mine and Steve's collection and then another member's collection together, we have probably about 500 games in the library. Holy cow. That people can sign out and play on site. But we also have organized events. So we have tournaments, freestyle games. Uh, we actually have a designer workshop this year where a local board game designer um, walks people through the first steps of um, sort of discovering a possible avenue for designing a game. Wow. Uh, who do you have? We have uh, Roberta Taylor, uh, who has designed a game called Octopus Garden. Cool. Yes. And uh, she's, a, she's a good friend of mine, and she's great. And she'll run a really great, uh, fun workshop. People will come out of it with um, a piece of paper where they've worked out their mechanic, their theme, what, what kind of things create tension in a game, all of those things. That's incredible. So it sounds like it's it's actually kind of turning into a little. There there are elements of almost like a conference yeah. uh, at this year's festival, which is really really interesting. Uh, on that note, do you have any retailers or game companies who are supporting Gobfest? Yes, we've got lots of uh, community support. Actually, we have um, a number of local game stores. So Mission Fun and Games in Saint Albert, uh, River City Games is supporting us. We also have um, Tabletop, the board game cafe in Edmonton. We have, I don't know if you know of Breakout, the escape game. Yes. They're supporting us. Um, and, yeah. Have you, have you been to Breakout yet? Yes. Actually, we uh, set, we are on the Hall of Fame. We are the second fastest team to ever do the Secret Lab. So you actually completed it? Yes. No hints. Wow. Second fastest, no hints. How, how fast are we talking here? Because uh, you get 45 minutes, right? We were, th I think we were 34 minutes. Wow. Yeah. That's so. fucked up. Everyone... I think the games make you smart. That's my opinion. Is that what it is? Yeah. 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 So, so actually, <laughs> Gobfest is as much an educational experience as it is uh, a gaming conference. I think one of the things that people love about gaming is that, it, that it's very social but it's also great for introverts to to meet new games because uh, to meet new people and new <laughs> games, I guess, um, to meet new people because you 
you talk with people, but you also always have something else to do at the same time. So mm -hmm. if there's 10 minutes of silence, it's not weird. Huh. Because everybody's so, looking at their cards or yeah, counting you, you up can, their points. It's, it's one of those beautiful places where you can just be quiet with people for 20 minutes and it's still good and fun. So what's given, given that reality, what's the vibe of Gobfest like? Is it like if you walk in in the middle of everyone playing, is it, is it really quiet? Is there music playing? Tell us what it feels like to be there. There's, there's no music playing, but I think that um, the vibe is actually probably louder than I just made it sound. Um, <laughs> because people are pretty excited um, to go to the event. I think if you walked into people playing on um, being at Pogob on Sunday, just on a regular weekend, it'd be probably quieter. Yeah. But Gobfest is, is a pretty boisterous affair. There's people playing party games and card games as well. And then we'll have the life-size gaming with people running around. So I think uh, this year it'll be a bit even more lively than it was last year. That's awesome. Do you have a lot of kids that come out, uh, either to Pogob or to Gobfest? Uh, not to Pogob at all. Um, to Gobfest, we are trying to get more families with kids to come out. Now... For, for this year, basically what we've said is we can't really tell you if, if your kid's going to have fun there based on an age because every kid's different. And I know some kids who are, you know, six or seven and they're just pros at playing really complex strategy games because they grew up with it. But somewhere between, you know, a 12-year-old almost definitely will have fun there. But an eight-year-old probably depends on the kid. And under eight, I don't know that at this point we have anything to offer to kids. Yeah. But we're always growing, and that's definitely an area we want to develop into. You know, I did play the kids' version of Settlers of Catan uh, one evening because I was at some friend's house, and their children were in bed, and we were all extremely intoxicated. And I think that you, like, and their kids were, like, six and seven or something like that. So if you're, if you're teaching the love of board games, I think you'd find there might be some young people there. There's the old saying that if you teach your kids to play to love board games, they'll never have money to buy drugs. Ooh, that's, that is a great saying. <laughs> because board games are not cheap. That's, that's where my parents went wrong. Uh, but uh, actually, um, some of my friends, um, their daughters, they introduced to board games um, in, in the last several years. And they're, and they're both still fairly young. And uh, their youngest at like... I want to say seven years old, uh, would regularly just destroy them at Carcassonne, which is uh, a point-based strategy game. And not yeah. like kids' Carcassonne, like actual Carcassonne, because she was just really excellent at it. Huh. And she picked it up really quickly. So uh, there are a lot of games that I would say have, have a, a level of depth and complexity that an adult can appreciate that are actually still really accessible for kids and can help them learn as well. Yeah. Because sure. you're, you're learning math when you're counting up points, you're learning, uh, how to, um, think logically or think, uh, um, strategically and strategically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when you're kind of putting together, formulating your strategy for a game like that. So I, I think that games are just a fabulous tool for education. Not only that, but like a good way to socialize your kids. I also mean, true. Particularly if they are shy. Yeah, because they've got need, something else to focus on. You teach them to be, you know, very aggressive, also having a smile on their face, and to go <laughs> in for the kill. And uh, on the other side, also to not take it personally to lose. I mean, that's that's a life lesson that you learn in games. There are winners, although there are cooperative games, of course. But most games have winners and losers, and 
you just try again and then you do better next time. That's true. And uh, uh, cooperative games is another thing, actually, because uh, if anybody's listening and is not super familiar with board games, you're, again, probably more familiar with your monopolies and your clues, which are very competitive games and are are designed that way. But um, there's a lot of games out there nowadays that actually have you as a team kind of competing against the game itself. And those games can be very hard. Yes. Uh, Pandemic is kind of the big hotness right now. And it's a game where everybody is a team of medical experts trying to stop uh, diseases from wiping out humanity. And the diseases have a very good chance of wiping out humanity in that game. Mm -hmm. And it requires a great deal of coordination and strategy and teamwork to try to stop the end of the world, essentially. And the world will end more often than not when you play Pandemic. We'll just put it that way. There's another life lesson in there somewhere. <laughs> that, you know what? One day the world is going to end, and that's just how it's going to be. It's like any board game, really. <laughs> now, I see that you also are hosting a flea market this, this year. Yes. And so what's, what's involved with, with that exactly? So the flea market is a, it's our first year for us to try this. Um, it basically allows participants to bring games that maybe they bought but aren't finding themselves playing them very often and um, sell them to each other at the event. We're expecting this to be smallish. Yeah. I don't know if we'll have 10 tables, 15 tables. Um, and it's only during lunchtime, so... Well, People have asked for it, and so we're, we're trying to... We're doing this for the community, so when we get feedback, we try to incorporate it, and flea market is what was asked for, so... That's a really great idea, actually. Yeah. Do I have any games that I would get rid of? Nope. No, I, I actually don't. don't. No. I've got stacks of games at home. That you would... And you would keep I have every stacks of games them. at home I haven't even played yet. Um, That's Which insane. is kind of shameful, actually. Yes. But... Uh, so you, you just mentioned that you do... Uh, kind of take, um, I don't want to say advice, that you solicit um, criticism mm-hmm. from people attending the the event. Yes. And try to uh, better the event uh, based on uh, their suggestions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what other stuff over the years, not necessarily just this year, has uh, GobFest incorporated based on kind of what input you've received? Well, the first year, the main concern was space. People didn't have enough room to find tables uh, to play games at. So we went to a bigger venue. Um, The concession, we kept it very, very small. Purposefully, we had chocolate bars and chips and pop, and we didn't really Game food. Yeah, Yeah, we actually, we have samosas there, which are very, very popular, and we sell a couple of hundred there. Holy cow. Um, But other than that, we didn't have any hot food, and so people wanted a little bit more. So this year, actually, we're getting sailing on the vegan food truck, Mm -hmm. and they're coming uh, for one of the days. I believe it's Sunday. I'm not 100% sure. And so uh, we'll try. Basically, our main idea is to support the community. So we're trying to get local, small um, businesses to benefit from us and, and vice versa, which is also why we've we haven't solicited any sponsorship from you know, big online game retailers, anything like that. We go with the local game stores. That's a great idea. I love the idea of the food truck. That's perfect. And that takes a lot of the having to manage, like, catering out of your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't really want to do that. No. We're all volunteers at GobFest, so we we don't really want to get a food 
health code license no. or anything like that. So. No. We, uh, we were both at the Edmonton Expo yes. this year. And uh, they also had food trucks out. And I don't know if that was a first for them or not. I believe that it was. I, I seem to recall hearing that too, and that's why I brought it up. But that seems to be kind of the thing, as, as food trucks are becoming more common in the city for, for events to just reach out and say, hey, how'd you like to park in front of our event? You'll mm-hmm. almost certainly make... It'll almost certainly be worth your while yeah. because people will buy your food. That way you don't need to spend money on – or like finding a venue that has a commercial kitchen. Or mm-hmm. hiring a caterer. Yeah, which is fucking expensive. Yep. Now, you mentioned that it's all volunteer-based. Um, are you guys still looking for volunteers? And if so, what should people be – where should people be contacting you? And if not, I'd just be interested to know what volunteers get to do throughout the day. Uh, we are still looking for volunteers, actually. Cool. Um, if you check out our website at www.gobfest.ca, you just go to register, and there is a volunteer option. Right. So you register just like anybody else, um, and you just check volunteer, and then that's a $0 checkout. So you don't have to um, pay any registration fees. Right on. And what volunteers can do is, of course, we need help with setup and takedown. We need help running games. So if you know games fairly well, you can run the tournament or an event, explain the game to people, answer their questions. We need people at the registration desk, at the concession, um, and also in our open gaming library. So you'd be more sort of a games consultant when people come and say, oh, we're three people and we want a game that lasts 30 minutes. What can you you recommend to us? It's like when Harry Potter goes to get his wand. You know, the guy finds him the right fucking wand. Because he just, cause a he just game knows. Connoisseur. Yeah. yeah. You just say, don't say anything. A game sommelier. <laughs> shh, shh. I know. I've got this. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, a game sommelier. It's perfect. Would you like to smell the box? <laughs> no, you, you may not. <laughs> That's great. So, Gobfest is taking place the weekend of March 28th and 29th. Great. Saturday and Sunday. You can find out more at gobfest.ca. Mm-hmm. They need volunteers, they need gamers. Yep. And they need people to show up with an open mind, probably. Yes. And um, another thing that we'd really like is for non-traditional gaming audiences to show up. Mm-hmm. So we're really aware of creating a friendly environment for people who don't know the game. So everything is explained. Even the tournaments that we play, we don't assume everybody knows the game. You can play in a tournament even though you've never played the game before. You'll probably lose, but you can do it. <laughs> you never know. Beginner's luck. Yeah. Beginner's luck, yeah. And it's, it sounds like it's a bit of an educational experience for those who want to dip their toe in the water of, of board gaming. Yeah. So if you've only ever played Monopoly or Risk, but you have fond memories of it, you're totally welcome. We do, um, we do try to get more um, kids, more older people, more women involved, and we're having pretty good success with it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got something to do that weekend... Cancel or if you it. don't have anything to do that Can- weekend, cancel, yeah, what, you're cancel doing. what you're doing. Yeah, and then now that you don't have anything to do that weekend, take the family, go to Gobfest, learn a couple board games. Maybe you'll find something you really like and that you want to take home. Yeah, but you can't take it home from Steve Smith's collection no. because he would not appreciate that. No, and there are prizes for every event. There you go. Yeah, we've oh, got wow. lots of door prizes, hundred and fifty dollar gift certificates. Go to breakout. Really? Like well, there so, you go. Yeah. yeah, I think it's worth going. I think you should all go. And if we don't see you there, we'll kill you. I, I might not be there, so please don't kill Probably me. Probably won't kill uh, me. Because I will likely work that weekend. Uh, right. Speaking of working for the weekend, yes. it's time for your favorite part of the show. The Fast 15! 
the triumphant return of the Fast 15 on the heels of the worst segue in the show's history. It, uh, yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> that was pretty terrible, but uh, not as terrible as not having the Fast 15 for a few episodes. It's been a long time, and we're very pleased to be able to bring it back with you, Katrin. Okay, I'm getting ready. Okay, so, so uh, for those of you who have only started listening to the show now, the Fast 15 is that segment where we ask 15 questions, the same First 13 questions are asked of all of our guests, and we save two wild cards tailored to the guest that day. So we've got two very special questions for you Okay. at the end. And I'm supposed to be fast, right? As fast as you possibly can okay. do it. Okay. And that said, it, this rarely goes quick. It's almost always very slow. This is about bearing my soul. True. Okay. True. So number one in the Fast 15, your favorite food. And she's stumped. Oh my god! I like, just, I just love. I like. I don't have. Oh my god! Um, my f- favorite food is breakfast. Ooh, that, that works. Acceptable. That's perfect. <laughs> what about your favorite color? Purple. Mac, PC, or Linux? Mac. Dogs or cats? Cats. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Your favorite holiday? I'm really doing well. My favorite <laughs> holiday is like statutory holiday. Sure. Um. This is going to sound very odd, but I'm going to say Remembrance Day because we always go uh, rent a cabin in the woods, so to speak, in the mountains, and play board games over the Remembrance Day weekend. With that is friends. an excellent so. reason to like Remembrance That's Day. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, yeah. It's perfect. What about your favorite sport? Um, my favorite sport, if that may be so counted, is probably yoga. Okay. Sure. Your favorite pastime? Probably playing games. And I'm going to go with playing that games. That makes sense. Seems reasonable. <laughs> I, I, could have, I should have anticipated that answer. Yeah. Uh, what about your favorite show to binge watch on Netflix? Um, my favorite show to binge watch. Wow. I really enjoyed recently um, a number of British cop shows with female leads. Ooh. There's one called Scott and Bailey that I really loved. Well, right on. I'll have to check that out. What about your favorite movie? My favorite movie. Wow, that's also hard. Um, probably, you know, what I really enjoyed lately is um, a movie called, uh, it's about a Swedish punk band. It's 13-year-old girls who found a punk band together in Sweden. And it's on Netflix, and it's called. I'm, gonna, I'm looking it something. up. I'm looking it up. Is it uh, called? We're the best. We it's called are the we best. We are the best, yes. and it was amazing. It was. I've never seen depicted on film what it's like to be a 12 year old girl growing up in Europe, like in that movie. It, it was, was perfect. Exactly what it was like for me to be 12. That's I mean, I grew up in Germany, but it was beautiful so if you want insight into katrin's life we (laughs) are the best and it's a little bit tragic but it's mostly just hilarious and it's a heartwarming movie if you if you're looking for that kind of feeling there you go a movie recommendation a little bit of punk i'm gonna check that out that's very exciting it's beautiful and what about your favorite video game uh tetris uh if you could have one superpower what would it be oh my god you're asking difficult questions i would probably I would probably want to time travel. 
Awesome. Yeah. We've had that one before. Yeah. I think so. I think we have. Go back and see what happened. Yeah. Or go or forward and, and see future with cars. other, other yeah. things. I'm yeah. taking a course online on Coursera right now with Phil Curry, Dino, Dino 101. Oh, yeah. Professor of Paleobiology, and I'm really enjoying that. So. Cool. Like just at the Terrell Museum. You know? Yeah, so. this guy just got back from Drumheller, so here oh. we So we're down to our last standard question. It's a tough one. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek. Yes, I knew that would be your answer. I'm so glad. I mean, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, now we're on to our wild card questions. It's not always the way it is. We've had people say Star Wars. Those aren't people, Scott. <laughs> they, they don't count. Those are the enemy. That's right. Yeah. So, wild card question number one What is your least favorite board game? Um, <laughs> okay, I've got to be diplomatic here. Um, <laughs> I actually have the pleasure of knowing some designers because I was able to go to a conference or actually it's a yearly thing where a lot of designers attend and play games with each other. Yeah. And so I, the first one that came to mind, I'm like, I know that guy. I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. Um, my least favorite games are probably the ones that are all relying on jokes written into the theme, but are really weak on mechanics. Hmm. Trying to think of an example. Like, okay, I don't know that guy. Um, like Munchkin or um, oh. Killer Bunnies or things like that. I've, where I haven't played either of those. They're kind of neat. Like reading the cards, there's you know a lot of writing going in and a lot of humor, but the game itself just doesn't work. And if you play, if if that's the way your brain works, and you think about the mechanics, and you just then it just gets very boring. And also the jokes, you read them once and then the replay value is, oh, there's that joke again. Oh, okay. Hmm. But Good a lot of people love them and they're immensely successful. So So you're into game mechanics. You like the you like to you like games that are interesting in the way that they play out. That's one thing, but I also really enjoy um well themed games. For example, one of my favorite games is called Last Night on Earth. Hmm. It's a zombie game. And the game mechanics are simple. They work, but they're simple. It's mostly about sitting around the table with a bunch of people pretending um, the zombies are coming and trying to cooperatively make a plan how to beat this scenario. Cool. How to not get eaten by zombies. Yeah. And so that's, that's a game where it's all about you know, creating, creating your own jokes with a group of people rather than reading jokes off of cards. Ah, okay. Interesting. Now, tell us about, if you can remember... Your greatest ever board game victory? Because I feel like some people will they'll play in a tournament or they'll play a game and they just remember kicking someone's ass or, or something or just squeaking by and winning. Um, one of the things that was the most fun was being at that um, board game conference that has a lot of designers attending and that I somehow lucked into an invite to go to. Totally undeserved. Um, and I played a bunch of fairly difficult games with a bunch of board game designers. And, and I, was, I just had a streak of luck. So I won a bunch of them. So it was an evening where people were like, why is she winning all the games? She's so good. And I'm just thinking, I hope this streak doesn't end because I'm building up this, this legendary reputation at this event. And That's awesome. Yeah. So wow. I think that was my favorite st- streak of... Good luck. Kicking the asses of board game designers. Yeah. It seems like it would be a lot at of At their own game, sometimes yeah. literally. Yes. I beat you at your own game. Did you get to use that phrase? Um, that's actually very common. Uh, most board game designers lose their own games because <laughs> I'm uh, part of a game design group here in Edmonton as well. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's board game designers. First of all, they don't know the rules to their own games, and they lose them almost invariably. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you for participating in the Fast 15, and uh, good luck with GobFest. Remember, thank you can you. find out more at gobfest.ca. Uh, thanks for being in the studio. Thanks for having me. And uh, I doubt he's listening, but Andrew, I'm sorry she doesn't like Munchkin. <laughs> You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 113. Our guest, Katrin Berghoff. Pre-production by Adam Rosenhart. Post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. Subscribe today at patreon.com slash unknownstudio. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Okay, so given that um, the first 13 are always the same, will you tell them to me in now? It, in it, really? We've never done that before. No, I don't think we should. No, we're not going to do that. No. They're really so, simple. So They're I, super I simple questions. I could have. I, I missed. If you had listened to the show before, you would out. have had yeah. your window. No, that's on me. That's on me. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. They're really simple questions like, yeah. for example, what's your favorite color? Which is literally one of the questions, but that's the only freebie you get. Okay. Yeah, the rest is... Uh,